Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's a full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie, part of the Nova Insider Network. It is Sunday, February 19th, roughly 8.20 p.m. as we are recording this. Coming to you after another Villanova loss to a top-quality opponent, uh, we fall to 13-14 and 14, uh, in the Big East season. We did get to 500 again earlier in the week versus Butler since we last talked with you. Um, but uh, ball to 13 and 14 on the season, seven and nine in conference. And we're sitting pretty strongly in the seventh slot um, in terms of Big East tournament seating. Uh, so, so, I mean, this podcast, let's just kind of jump right into it. Um, I kind of want to go right into the men's basketball team. I do want to cover Maddie and and the women's team and that sellout that they had versus UConn because that was also a huge game. And, but but I want to table that for the for the moment right now and focus kind of on the task at hand. Um, and I'll start by saying that I am wearing a vest, which is not uncommon for Villanova fans, but I am wearing a golf vest uh, because I am starting to plan out some tea times for March. <laughs> because because I won't be watching college basketball if 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 my uh, if my uh, if my predictions are accurate, which I think a lot of people were already at, but I was holding out a little bit of hope that maybe this team would show me something or show us something that might indicate some future potential success. Uh, but I'm sorry, after what I thought were three encouraging games at home. I'm coming at this game after Providence and I have, and I've been holding off saying this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm issuing a vote of no confidence here. Uh, real, so. real quick. You walked into something that the Providence students did. I'm pretty sure it was, so it was, I went to the Providence game. It was golf day. So all the Providence in their golf outfits. And I think it was because they were playing Villanova and they were making fun of Villanova fans always going golfing. So you walked into that one. Just going to let you know. I the mean, Providence good for fans them. Got you. They got there. I don't walk away from a stereotype. I am a sweater vest wearing Villanova fan. I'm proud of it. Um, I can be a douchebag. I don't really think I am that much of a douchebag, but that's just kind of who I am. I don't, I own who I am. That's part of, that's part of life. You got to own who you are. Um, but <laughs> Rob, you're like glazed over here, man. I'm, so I'm just looking at, um, I was just looking at the rest of our schedule after you said that, because I, I think I've been at the same the same point that, that you've gotten to for a little bit. But it's like the finish, the finish from here on out is is really not fun. I mean, you've got four really tough games, three ranked opponents, and and then Seton Hall, who's not going to be a tough out playing at their home. And it's it's already looking like, all right, we're 13 and 14. And you know, I don't know, best case you come out of this 15 and 16 in my mind. So that's, uh, that's, uh, it's not getting it done. It's not yeah, getting it and done. that's not getting an NIT berth either. So that's, yeah. yeah. Would we play in the CBI? Ooh. <laughs> the Chris Bellotti Invitational. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, no, nice. but look, look, it was another game where we were competitive for a while, right? Like, and and candidly, we didn't deserve to be competitive. I actually don't think Providence played a terrific game. Like, I thought that they got a really good whistle. Um, and I'm not blaming the referees. I just thought that they got a really good whistle at home. Um, I thought that I thought that they didn't pr play particularly well, and we just couldn't do anything offensively. And then down the stretch, the defense just kind of collapsed as we were trying to go nuts to try and get back in the game late and it's just so we just collapsed offensively which led to giving up a ton of points but like we, we that game was held pretty tight uh the final score doesn't indicate the way the game was played but the reality of the situation is that we don't make the plays so it's a uh, sorry i want to take one step back kyle has been asked what do you think about the last five minutes this that, and the other thing he's been asking the media about this a lot um because they've picked up the media has picked up on this over the last Few, several weeks or whatever 
uh, it, what do you make of the team disintegrating down the stretch in games? And Kyle's answer has been like, I've impressed upon our team that the possession in 38 minutes into the game, that the rebound that you can get 38 minutes into the game is no different than the rebound you can get two minutes into the game. I get the coach speak to that there. Like, obviously, like, that's what the coach is supposed to say. Not You're not devaluing earlier possessions, and he's trying to make sure he avoids that. But his point was basically – we need to execute the entire game and we're not executing the entire game. And that was kind of the point that he went to. It, it was, was his point. And so I, I kind of actually agree with him and watching that game, I found that, yeah, we disintegrated down the stretch late, but like, honestly, like we didn't play the way we needed to play throughout that game and a perfect encapsulation about that. And I'm making this the theme for me of this podcast. Um, the perfect encapsulation of that was we get a breakaway dunk from Cam Whitmore to go up. I think it was 40 to 39 with like 16 minutes left in the second half after fighting all the way back down from, from 15, we couldn't shoot the ball in the first half is disaster offensively in the first half but we managed to get it within five and then with 16 minutes left in the game we take the lead for the first Wild. time in the game and credit the guys for that fight and then they come down they miss another shot and we had a perfect opportunity to really work the ball and extend it off a one point game to, to just a larger one possession game or maybe a two possession game at that point in time to start to build some momentum here and in that moment, our sixth-year senior, Caleb Daniels, with like 15 seconds left on the shot clock, shoots a three-pointer from 30 feet out off the dribble. And it clanks out. We have to hustle back. We don't get set. And in the secondary break, they drill a three um, in our face, take the lead, 42 to 40. And then there was never any, like, and then they kind of took control of the game from there. That was it. That was the perfect encapsulation of the game. That play did not happen within the last five minutes of the game. That play literally changed the tide uh, of, of the entire game. And, and I, and it's not the only play. I hate singling out Caleb because we've discussed on the podcast. He's a, he's a, he's an excellent, he's an excellent kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's a full blown adult. He's like, he's like 24, 25 years old, but like, but he's an excellent guy. Like I don't hate him, the person or anything like that. And he's, and he's been a good contributor for the team overall this season. At the same time, that is just not the play that a sixth year senior can make. And yeah. I'm, and I'm also going to point out that like, you could say, Oh, that's bad coaching. But this guy's been coached by Jay Wright for like three or four years. So like he knows not to take that shot. Like at this point, like he doesn't need another guy to tell him don't take that stupid shot. Like, like this is not you. And and that play, unfortunately, to me, encapsulates a lot of problems with this team. It's like we fight, we've seen it how many times? We give up big leads. We find our way to fight back into the game. And the moment we kind of get over the hump or about to get over the hump, we have an absolute disgraceful offensive possession, get lost on defense. The other team, the other team jumps all over us and then the momentum's lost and, and we start giving it all back. It's happened in every single game that we've lost this season. It, with the exception of maybe the Portland game. That the Portland game might be the only one where I felt like we were thoroughly dominated, which is so funny to say, but thoroughly dominated from start to finish. Every other game, there was a moment where we made we came back and we made that mistake, whether it was um, in the Creighton game, Caleb shooting with 20 seconds on the clock, that pull-up fadeaway um, driving into the lane when we had control in the lead, um, whether it was uh, missing free throws down the stretch, whether it was just bad last play calls execution as we think about Michigan State uh, things like that regardless every single game has been that so it's just if we're talking about like we talk like to talk about narratives that's just the narrative it's been at the narrative of every single loss has been and the reason we change our names we can't play 40 minutes of Villanova basketball we'll play 38 we'll play 35 and then we'll make an incredibly boneheaded play down the stretch I said this after the DePaul loss, and honestly, maybe DePaul is another one that just we, we just kind of lost. Honestly, I'll give DePaul credit credit there. But I said this after the DePaul loss. This is just who we are. Uh, yeah, this is what yeah. this team is, and I 
we can hope for a miracle, you know, and like all of a sudden for their stripes to change, but this is who we are. I'm no, it's not going to, sorry, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think one of the things that we, we haven't talked about uh, a little bit as much is if you think about that last five minutes, you know, historically in the past 10 years or so, you've always had basically that killer. You've had that alpha dog who's going to take over, who you can reliably know, like, Hey, we're putting the ball in Colin's hands or we're putting the ball in Jalen's hands or Josh or like, literally whoever it is. And you know that they're going to do a couple of things. One, they're going to make the right decision, which is your point, Pilati. And two, they're going to have that ability to either create something or take over, make their own shot, make the right pass. And that just gives you something to fall back on. It also throws the other team off too, because you know they're looking at that player. You know that they're expecting something and you know that they're going to be a little bit wary, which can you know play on your, your mental psyche a little bit. And this year, you know, you want to say it's Justin, but it's, it's not quite yet. Like he's, he's still not hundred percent. We haven't seen like, you know, Justin a bold, which, you know, again, you wouldn't expect, but that means you don't really have that player. Like it's not Caleb. It's you would love for it to be cam, but it's not cam cam hasn't shown the reliability to be able to do that and say, we're giving you the ball five minutes left, work your magic. We haven't seen the decision-making. We haven't seen the performance. You want to say maybe it's Dixon, but like, I don't know, playing in the post as much, like he's not, as much in that role. So for all those reasons, we just don't have that guy who's a steadying presence who can create, who can make good decisions. And that I think is, is a huge reason, like why we end up where we are. You just, everybody's kind of looking around like, yeah, I'll take this shot. I'll take that shot. It's like, okay. Well, it yeah, doesn't it, get it done. Okay. Offensively, there's not a lot of cohesion, right? Like, yeah. and candidly, the cohesion comes from leaders on the court. Um, and I think Rob, you were getting at that with Colin and Jalen they didn't always take the shot. They weren't always the guy who took the shot. They were the, they were the guys who, if they had to take the shot, they were happy to take the shot, but they were the guys who you put the ball in their hands to make the right decision, because those were the guys who valued each and every possession. The totally. most. Yeah. And this team and specifically the fifth and sixth year te- senior on the, on this team in, in, uh, in Caleb and Brandon Slater, candidly have not demonstrated that they value the possessions the way that you have seen us value possessions in the past. And the problem is that we play slow as molasses. So if you are playing slow, right? Like if you play fast, like a St. John's, which I'm, they're not a good example, but Xavier may be a better example. Like if you play fast like them, you're getting 75 cracks at it a game, right? Like 75 offensive possessions a game. Okay. So if you turn the ball over 10 times playing 75 possessions, you get 65 shots up, right? Those are for, for yeah. lack of a better term, right? We play 60 to 65 possessions a game. So if we turn the ball over, even though let's just say we turn, we don't turn the ball over that much, we turn the ball over five times. That's 60 or 58 just to use an average like 58 possessions a game where we get a chance to shoot a ball right like you're not good like you can't have that be both true right like if you're going to play faster you can deal with more turnovers because you still have more cracks at it if you're going to play slower you can't deal with even a moderate amount of turnovers you can't be like a moderate turnover team i still think we actually lead the i i think we lead the conference in turnovers per game in terms of like, in a good way, not in a bad way. Like, I, I, I think that's accurate. I could be wrong there. Willie might be checking the stats. Um, We're 39th in the country in turnover rate. Um, I'm working to see what that is conference. Yeah. So, so, so point, point being is that we, we value the rock but at the same time, like overall, but at the same time, we're have only so many offensive possessions. And when I mean value the ball, like we're talking turnovers, but turnovers aren't the only way that Caleb possession that we were referring to earlier. That's not valuing a possession. That's not valuing a possession whatsoever. Getting up a bad shot. Look, if it's three seconds left in the shot clock, the defense played you well, and you got to hoist a, you got to hoist a, you got to chuck one. Like, fine like i get that right that in that situation that's that's just how basketball works sometimes and you got to get a shot up and whatever it is it is but in this circumstance like pulling up off the bounce is like 
Villanova 2012-2011 bullshit. Like, this is just not who we and, have what we've become. And so, first off, Marquette is the only one ahead of us. They're 22nd. Okay, that country. makes sense. And that makes sense, especially with Kolek running the show. Um, <clears throat> but to your point, I think where it just gets in, like, if we just think about this in the most simple terms, it's, okay, so we have 65 possessions. We turn it over, let's say, eight times a game. I don't know what the actual number is. I'm just looking at turnover rate. Um, but it's, like, eight times a game, game. So that's 57 possessions to score, give or take. We're also not as good of an offensive team as we've been in the past. Right. And so our efficiency across the board is lower. And so we're just, you're going to score less than those 57 possessions. And between, like like we like you pointed out, between not really valuing those possessions and making the decisions at, at the time. And I don't think, I don't think like Caleb or Brandon or anyone is making any of these plays is thinking Oh, that they don't value the possession. That's no, not what they're I, thinking, I obviously. Idea. But what they're thinking, I what I what I'd assume they're thinking is, I need to make a play yeah. instead yeah. of I need to make the right play. And mm-hmm. I think that's just what I mean. It, in short, I think that's just what it is. Caleb's shot was, I need to make a play. We have momentum. Let's like he hits that three, and it's a huge like killer. But it's a terrible shot, just objectively. It right. was not a good shot. It was not the right play in that moment. Despite that, this team was still able to be in a position to win. I'll say win the game, but then Providence hit two moon shots, which we can, you know, you can uh, talk about that all you want. But at the end of the day, we put ourselves in a position to win, which is a testament to like the team has guts despite all everything that's gone wrong this season. They have been in a position that within with basically every game. Besides Portland, with less than four minutes left, they've been in a position to win the basketball game if they made the right play, and we haven't been doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, so look, uh, I, 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 there's been a lot of discussion around the coaching. I, I actually think that in the last few games, I think Kyle's called some decent games here. Like, I haven't like watched the game being like, "The fuck is that substitution?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, and like that's just that's just one thing. I also, he's also drawn up some good plays. Yeah. Like, like I've actually seen some good stuff happening from like, I think Kyle's actually made some improvements. Um, now it's off a low base. He didn't, he like, we can be honest and say that he didn't have a good start. We're very much on the patient front here. Um, and he's 38 years old, 37 when he started first year head coach, blah, 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 blah. We don't have to repeat ourselves, but like, I actually think that he's had a few good games in the last stretch here. And and like you can't have in a game where you're at Providence, objectively a good team with an with the best coach in the conference, right? Like in my opinion, I mean just one Naismith coach of the year. I don't think that's a hot take, but yeah. like best coach in the conference, probably the best environment in the conference, like from in terms of in terms of intensity of their fan base, like that's an imposing environment. Right, like People all of that well situation, idea. you have to be you have to be spot on. Perfect is not the right because no one's perfect, but like you have to be spot on. You have to like if you're not going to hit shots, you have to value the shit out of the possession. You have to take the best quality shots that you possibly can get, and you have to be disciplined in a way that this team isn't. And and candidly, I think that's what led to my opening like monologue in terms of like a vote of no confidence. Is that is that there isn't I don't have confidence because the seniors who have been with this program for a very long time and have had this drilled into their head for a very long time are not demonstrating that it's going to click like and there isn't another factor that seems to be coming up right like Justin Moore at 60 percent 70 percent of himself right like is not coming up to make all the right decisions he makes it better certainly makes it better. We would have won more games earlier in the season with Justin. I don't debate that. We might be in a position where we could be on the bubble of the NCAA tournament if we had Justin the whole year. But like, they just aren't demonstrating this ability to make the right decisions, to get the right play, to get the right shot, whether it's in the last five minutes of the game or candidly throughout the game. Like if we happen to find ourselves in the right shot, it feels like we got lucky to find the right shot as opposed to, as opposed to this is just habitually who we are. And this is going to sound contradictory, but I also feel like weirdly enough, we're being a little too passive 
in the way that when we get into our sets, I feel like we've, and we're, we, you know, we start to drive, we kick, we, we drive, we kick. I feel like we have opportunities where like there's a good shot and then well, yeah, we have opportunities where there's a good shot and then we're kind of forced to take a dumb shot. And I get, I think this really comes into like, when I was watching the Providence game, Providence did the token press that, you know, they, they did a full court press to us where consistently we were getting the ball across at like 22 seconds. We were dribbling for five and then we had 17 seconds to run our offense around and consistently around maybe the nine second mark there was a good shot and we tried to pass look for a better shot but providence is too good of a defensive team to let that happen and i think we're just we're we're we were, we're getting put in a position and providence did this to us very well shout out to cooley we're just like this team isn't good enough to win a game with 17 seconds on the shot clock like and we're tr- we're trying to be methodical but we're not good enough offensively to be methodical so this gets to your point which we've been saying we've said all year like we should probably have been running a bit more yeah and being faster paced and get more possessions because that's the only way we would be able to make up for some of these and yeah, get it also it. plays into the strengths of cam and mark yeah getting the uh it always kind of drove me nuts historically when i think about the passing up the good shot for the better shot like I, I even thought like in prime, like 2018 era, there were plenty of times where I'm like, guys, like just fucking shoot the ball. Like it's, it's a good enough look and you pass around and you're like, and then sure enough, like, yeah, you're swinging around fast enough. And the athletes and the players on the floor were good enough that somehow you ended up with a great look at two seconds left. But I think you hit the nail on the head of just like the players we have aren't, and you know, maybe the situation that we're getting ourselves into there, like there's either not enough time left or the team isn't quite good enough and seasoned enough to be able to create that great shot on the back end. And then you just end up with, okay, well, we're in theory executing what we're supposed to because we're giving up good for great, but we're not actually able to find great. And yeah. you just end up with a shit output at the end of the day. But not some, some of it's just personnel. We have <laughs> like arguably the most, most athletic squad that we've had since the 2018 team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is though, is that like, not all the guys are athletic. Some of the guys are more methodical. <laughs> it's a so like, weird meshing. Yeah. It's a very weird mesh. And Kyle, and it's not a, it's really not honestly a criticism, but he's no. just not an experienced or good enough coach yet to make that work. But uh, like playing the 350th tempo offense in the country or whatever the number is, but we're down in that area, is is it, it, it ain't it. Like we, yeah. this team just does not value the possessions enough, right? Like it just, it's just, it's just the case. Like I, like I don't know how to say it better than that. Like we just do not value every single possession in the way that you need to, if you are going to be the 350 plus slowest yeah. team in the country. I, I think I, I feel like part of what we're saying, we, we, I think we've danced around this like a little bit in some of the other podcasts as well. Is like what you're getting at is Kyle needs to look at the team, look at the personnel and be able to put his own style on it and his own print on it and say, we need to change X, Y, and Z from what we did previously. And I think it's a, a result of a few things. One, him being a newer coach, him too, not having like a full, like, yeah, I know he had a full off season, but like, not really, I'll, I'll say, um, to actually assess the talent, figure out what he, what he wants to do with the team, what he values as a coach, because he needs to come up with what his value system is, like what he thinks is going to work well versus not work well and start to really put that imprint on the team. And I just don't think he's, he's had the chance to do that yet. So Mm -hmm. ideally then I think coming back next year, I think we'll see more changes to that where Kyle starts to say, this is my style. This is the stuff that I want to try and it's going to adjust and the players are going to adjust to it. And if they don't want to adjust to it, like they can go somewhere else. And I, I have to imagine like some of those conversations will be had too. I'm not, insinuating anything about the transfer portal that's just like the reality of it like that happens on every campus like every professional organization new coach new leader comes in says hey here's what i want to do is my style and like some people it fits some people it doesn't but i and to to your point i mean i one i hope that we that's the change we see from kyle that he adapts to his style but it's so interesting i don't know if y'all remember the beginning of the year uh, like it may have been in the summer. I think they were interviewing Colin or Colin, maybe something, something on Twitter that um, it felt like things were looser around Villanova. Like mm-hmm. Kyle brought in the lake more energy and it was a little bit looser. Yeah. It's so interesting because Jay was so meticulous that 
everything had to be done to a point. The everything was done on repetition to a point, to a point, to a point. And it wasn't loose in a like a it it Jay was Jay is more strict than Kyle. That's just not that's just what it was. Yeah. Or what it is. And so if you think about this team and the way that it is, Kyle's still trying to play this team like Jay would play this team. It's very clearly like he's learned from Jay and he's trying to play like yeah, Jay would. Totally. But this team is not as disciplined and that's not like a Kyle doesn't know how to discipline the team it's just like they're they have been they've they've been put into a more free-flowing loose environment which I think is good at overall but then it's like that should be reflected in our play but instead I feel like the attention to the details has lacked just a bit more from Jay to Kyle and that makes complete sense because you have a coach in year two as compared to Jay Wright who had 28 years of coaching experience four final fours has been there before and understands it. But I think you're seeing that be taken into it. Like that lack of detail is hurting us in the way that we, in the way that we play currently. Yeah. I think whatever Kyle spin is Kyle's still a disciple of Jay. So I'm sure it's going to be yeah. some to some level look like that, but next year Kyle will have a little bit more time to put whatever his spin is, whatever Kyle Neptune basketball looks like. To him and i'm hoping we see start to see some progress there yeah we're already, um, we're already talking about next year just yeah but well well guess what yeah <laughs> based on this is kind of my point is that like look i'm not right look far be it for me to count out a villanova team from many things but yep. but the reality of the situation is this this is what you said is it's so obviously a mismatch out there it's it's and not a mismatch in terms of like one player versus another. We we draw plenty of mismatches <laughs> trying to defend other teams. But the point is that like it's a mismatch in terms of a mismatch of personnel, a mismatch of style. It the whole thing is just awkward. It just looks like a it looks like a teenage dance out there. Like like <laughs> I didn't say it better than that. It's like I fucking like sophomore like cotillion. Like, I love like that. everyone's fucking awkward as shit. <laughs> like like yeah occasion- nobody nobody quite knows what to do. It's kind of occasionally, like that, I, occasionally someone scores, but that's not that's not really like it, that's just luck of <laughs> the draw. Like and- has the offense looked good to you at any point <laughs> oh aesthetically? My God, that's so good. At any point this season no. aesthetically has it looked no, good. God, no. No, God, no. Like, 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 oh like, look, at any point, yeah, like for five minute stretches, it's look good, right? Like, but like, but like, do, does the offense look good where I say, like, Bill no basketball, baby, here's what's going to come next game? Like, no, no idea, like, what's going to look like game to game, like, other than the fact that, like, it's going to not look great. Um, but like, it, it, that's basically what this watching this team on, like, paper looks like is yeah. is like uh, that analogy I'm, I'm actually saying kind of holds up like it looks like it does an awkward up. ass like prepubescent teenage dance it just looks like that on the court like like they, they're just like right. awkward like trying to like dance around and whatever and you know and like people like ass out hugs and like da- like you know people reaching out to dance like it's just it's just a fucking so awkward out there and it and and like part of that is just like cam wasn't there for the first seven weeks justin wasn't there for the first uh seven games justin wasn't there for the for the first 20 some odd games like it's just it's just awkward it's and and, and it's not getting better and we've had justin on the floor for seven for seven weeks and it's not better the offense isn't better than it was when chris archie diakono was running the point like just call a spade a spade, right? Like it's just so so so. My point is is that looking towards next year, I really think that the emphasis that Kyle needs to make is 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 candidly like, do your thing, bro. Like like what do you got, right? Because because I can tell you the fire Neptune crowd is only going to get louder if he keeps trying to play this like jay basketball that's not really him because it's obviously not him and and that's just not who we have to be and for that reason if you're going to have super seniors who don't value possessions um i'm kind of of the opinion look look obviously caleb's got to play 30 minutes a game i like i'm not saying that but like caleb's got to play 30 minutes a game slater's gonna play 25 plus minutes a game like fine 
But like, if you're going to have super seniors who are going to not value as much, put Mark Armstrong on the court because, because that's a guy who you have to recruit again next year. Because if Mark Armstrong says, I want to walk, right? Like Mark Armstrong, like that's not a guy who we should let walk. Like we got to go balls out for Mark because I view Mark as like the next Villanova point guard. Maybe I'm, yeah. maybe I'm alone no, in this. I do like, too. I love Mark Armstrong. Yeah. And like, I hope his parents listen to this because like, because like your son is to me is going to be the guy who restarts this entire fucking thing. Right. Like, and gets this going in the right direction again, because that's, that's honestly my belief. Like, I think that Mark is the guy who is going to get this pro- program out of the doldrums. That's probably going to last another season. And I think he's the guy who's going to carry us right the hell out of it because he is so good. He is so talented. He makes pretty good decisions overall with the ball. And like, he actually like is pretty money from the mid range. Like he's got to get to his mid range pull up. I really like it. Yeah. He's got to work on the finishing around the cup. He's, he's a very much a freshman in terms of finishing around the cup. He'll get his shot better as, as, as his time in the program goes on. But he's quick. He's fast. He's got good hands. He's fun. He's fun. He's a fun player to watch. Like, could you imagine That's him? Could you imagine him? Could you imagine him three years from now? Yeah. Like three years of, of development. Like assuming assuming he's here. Like that's that's awesome. That's a really fun, fast, tough player to guard. That's and really to cool. me, like if you look at the Fordham team and how they're what prepared, they're they're one of the stories of the country under Keith Ergo, who used to be uh, at Villanova, um, but. He's one of the, they're one of the stories in the country. But if you look at how Fordham plays, which is, they play a similar style to how Kyle was implementing last year before he got called up at the 11th hour to go take the Villanova job. Like, like Mark Armstrong is like the perfect version of, of what they do at Fordham. Like he's, he is a Kyle Neptune player, right? Like, so like, I'm telling, like I was an advocate of Armstrong coming off the bench as the sixth man. I still am fine with that given the personnel that we currently have on the team. But like, man, like get that guy in earlier, like make him the 09 Corey Fisher, right? Like, yeah. like get this guy going because, because I think, that, I think that's how we're going to get there. Like, yeah. let, let Mark and Cam play a little bit of a two man game, pause in whatever. But like the idea of this methodical possession by like Caleb of dribbling it into the paint or pulling up from three to take low percentage shots, it's just it, it just ain't it. It's just yeah. not it. Last What's, four or five games of the season, what are you playing for at this point? Let's develop some guys. What's bothered me about just that like methodical possession is, it's just like we're what are we being methodical for? So we work into the paint, and every uh, every player on our team is guilty of this. Well, they're working into the paint, paint, and the idea is they're not looking to pass it out. No, never, and, ever. And, to every team has realized that and so they'll send two or they'll dig with another person from the top and it doesn't matter whether it's justin whether it's caleb whether it's brandon whether it's eric realistically those are the four that are really doing it cam really doesn't even do it that often but they'll get there and they'll just pivot 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 and they'll either hope to get bailed out by a foul or it's getting blocked like those are really the two options like they're not typically they're not making it in that situation um obviously they were, when they're able to get a little bit when they're able to pivot and it's like one move then they're scoring more often than not but when they're pivoting 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 i don't it's just i'm sitting there and i'm seeing haws and standing on the corner or i see slater open in the corner i'm just like kick it out to them and let them shoot that three because yes. they're not going to get a better shot than that and it's so interesting that we're being methodical to drive into the paint and we're getting into the paint. We're getting two feet into the money area and it's not going up immediately. It's being methodical and it's not kicking it out. It's not kicking it out to an open person. We're like two foot in the paint, kick to the corner, should be hitting a three. And it's two feet in the paint and we're there and we're there and we're there and we're pivoting. And okay, we're going up and you know Eric's really fucking good at it. So Eric usually scores more often than not. But like, Beyond that, it's just like pass it. And like honestly, Eric probably should pass it more because he's so fucking good at it. They're always sending two at Eric. Like someone's always open. I don't know. Caleb, Caleb and Justin, I think, got blocked by like three guys at the same time on Providence, like several times in the last game. Look, the Hansen point I wanted to bring up because you put him out there and you have a guy who's a fucking money three point shooter. Mm -hmm. Like, guys, you're in the paint. Just look up for a second. You're a six-year senior, fifth-year senior. Like, holy shit. Like, f- 
fucking whiz a pass out of this out of there when you're drawing a double and reverse the ball around and get the ball to Brendan Halsey who can who can shoot the shit out of the ball. It's crazy. It's just, just so annoying to watch. <laughs> and like I, I said, Brian asked me if I was going to rant before the podcast, and I said I don't know about that. Like, but like I, I like this. This has me like I'm still heated. Twenty four hours later, did I expect to win at a ranked Providence team coached by Ed Cooley the way they're playing and the way their fans are coming together lately? No. But like, did I expect to look competent after the last three games? Yeah. Like, like we have the full complement of our team, right? Like we should look competent, right? And and I'm I, I actually think at this point the, the, the Neptune criticism is is a little tired. Like, like sorry, you you should have expectations of the players on the court, right? Like there's nothing there, right? Like that, that they can't do, and yet they can't do any of it. I, I, and so I'm 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 tired. I'm I'm really tired. <laughs> One Hazen note: I was just curious, like where does he sit all all time right now? In a single season, he's right now he's shooting forty two point six percent from three. Um, Great number. Yeah, he's shooting forty two point six. That puts him at fifth all time in three point field goal percentage for oh, a single shit. season. At wow. So in a single season, and obviously he's not doing it on the volume that these other ones have done it at. But yeah. Sadiq Bay is number one. Eric Ebers is uh, number two. Mikhail is number three. Corey Stokes is four. And Hazen at 42.6 would be number five. Um, and then Gary Buchanan's right below him. Like that's 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 what we're dealing with in terms of a shooter. He's as a freshman already having a top five season in Villanova shooting history. I still think the Sadiq Bay was on like the weirdest heater ever in that entire season. So like it's such an anomaly. I don't think people will break that. But anyway, is it ahead. weird to say that I think Hazen's shooting percentage would increase if he had a little bit more volume? Like I realize that like the more volume you shoot, the theoretically it comes down. Oh, you're you're talking more but of like a rhythm. I actually like think if he's that like, like if he's playing yeah, more, he's in a rhythm, rhythm he's just getting more. Like, yeah. I actually think that if he shot more, he would convert more. I don't, I don't he's disagree. that good. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. <sighs> yeah. Would he be more apt to be undercover to go on the court? Right, right, let's. I don't know. He's, no one passes it to him, so. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, let's take a step back of this and put ourselves in the context of the rest of the season here. So we got Xavier coming up on Tuesday. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, then we got Creighton at home, Seton Hall away, UConn to finish the season at home before the Big East tournament, which is at this point a guarantee that we're playing on Wednesday, not officially, but we can, we can go ahead and pencil us in for Wednesday. Um, the question right now is, are we going to be six, seven, or eight? Um, and Harry, at the moment, to, to, to kind of fully stamp us in to one of those, we're currently seventh at seven and nine. Right above us is Seton Hall at nine and eight, who we have the 1-0 advantage of um, over. And I think we should beat them at their place um, that, that game later in the season. Obviously, they're tough to play at home, but... It's a game that I, after watching the first game, I came away thinking we're better than them. Like, yeah. and I think we should beat them. And I think we should beat them at home. Um, and then, and then you have St. John's who's six and 11. So we're a game and a half up on them. And we have a 2-0 advantage uh, against them. So in theory, if this team wins like one more game, we should be safe to be into that six, seven slot. Um, and so, and so, if you're thinking of pe- purchasing tickets, the Wednesday is a triple header. Um, so, uh, Villanova fans, we're not used to this. So, so, but the Wednesday tickets are a triple header. So, just so you know, so if you buy a ticket to that session, you get to go to all of three games. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you get to do that. So, so you're good there. Uh, but if you're assuming that we could get a win um, versus. DePaul or Georgetown um, or Butler in the first game, which I still think is a fair bet, then you're one of you're probably at the point where you could probably safely buy Thursday night session tickets. If we slip all the way down into the St. John's where they are currently at the eighth seed, then we will be in the the opening session on Thursday um, morning uh, or afternoon. 
in the in the noon game versus the one seed. I think that we'll probably avoid that. St. John's doesn't look good, and we're game and a half up and have a two game head to head lead on them. But that's kind of like just putting us like just kind of taking a step back and looking at that. Like, okay, what is, what do you want to look at here? Like, I think we're going to be in that seven seed bracket of of finding our way playing like the seven ten and then and then getting to the two uh, seven game the next day. So I'm about to say something completely insane. Um, where we can start. To, I mean, in this, I'm, I'm trying to be positive. Is it weird that out of the three teams at the top? I'd want to see Marquette the most, even though they're likely to be the one seed at this stage. They're kind of in, they're in the driver's seat at this at this stage. I'd rather see Marquette out of any of them. Just because why? Because they're like a different style or what? I feel like we match up best across uh, like with them across the board. I think like I I the way I've seen it is I mean outside of Kolek, I feel and like Igadaro is good, but I feel like their wings like we're able to match up well with them. And even though we're undersized, their wings aren't overly, I, their wings play like guards to me. Like Joplin plays like a guard. Um, Omax plays like, I mean, he's a wing, big t- wing type, but like between Slater and Cam and like Moore and Daniels, we just have enough bodies to throw at them. I've liked how we've played them both games thus far to where I'm like, I don't know, neutral site ever like early, you know, on a Thursday, I don't know. I don't know how many Marquette fans are going to be traveling for the Thursday game. They might be like, oh, we'll be there for Friday. And that's one where I'm like, I don't know. I don't hate that. I'm saying this. We're going to lose by 44 to whoever. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't know. I like that matchup more than I like the Creighton one, more than I like, well, not Creighton, but uh, more than I like the Xavier one, more than I like Providence realistically. And I I don't think Creighton has a chance to get up there anyways. Yeah, I I can get uh, on board with it. I think I get on board with it. I am. I feel like they haven't shot well once versus us in either game, um, even with decent looks. But the thing with Marquette is that they don't have, they don't have a big man who can who can take it to Eric. Um, so when they so to your point there is that matchup wise we don't get exposed from rebounding um, or just like they need a bucket, like yeah. even versus Providence. Like, like I don't look and Eric Dixon plays out of position at the five, right? Like, so like, so like this is called a spade of spade. Like Ed Croswell has developed way more than I ever thought he would. Um, but, but at points in that game, when Providence needed a bucket, they got a download of Croswell who scored um, and like, like we just we just struggle with a guy like that. Like just in the way that like Xavier can run a Nunji, um, that Yukon can run not even a Sonogo because Dixon's the Sonogo killer, but like the but like a Klingon, um, or Creighton can run a Cockbrenner. Like like it's just it's just like there's just like that not we do like every other team has a guy has the dominant can, big yeah. has a dominant big, whereas Marquette does not. And their guard play is what does it for them. Now, I I've, I have this funny feeling that if we played them in the Big East tournament, I feel like they're going to get lights out shooting wise, and we're going to run into problems. Yeah, so and like also, we're, we're, I, we're asking for it. Yeah, for Marquette. Also, I realized I misspoke. I was switching Creighton and Providence. Creighton still has a chance as the two seed. Providence is the one who's in the four spot. So it just I realized I Providence right now I think is ahead of Creighton. No, they're all twelve and four. The but I think Creighton, and three. Creighton's favored more than Providence to get a, at least a share of it. I think okay. just the way the rest of the schedule is breaking down. Providence has to play at UConn. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look. If you're mapping out the Big East tournament, Villanova needs to win one more game, right? Like, I think one more game probably gets the job done to get the six or seven, uh, to get the seventh spot. Uh, so th- that's Ugh. kind of what we're looking at. I know, I know. It just, just, it like, just makes you want to fucking cringe. <laughs> Got to get um, one more to lock up that seventh spot, baby. Let's I, I, honestly, honestly, like, you want to talk about rooting for the Big East in March Madness? I might be rooting the most for the Big East in March Madness than ever before. Yeah. Because because yeah. we're not going to be in it. And, and 
Like it would probably make me feel a little better to know that Marquette, Xavier, Providence, Creighton, and UConn do damage in the NCAA tournament to know that like, okay, like they were really hard teams to play. And so like, I could live with myself a little bit better based on that. Yeah. There, this will be, I'm just doing some quick math. This will be the first time since the new Big East that we haven't been a one or a two. Wow. Yeah. I'm just going. Oh, uh, in the Big East tournament. Yeah, the biggest tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, no. The big, been, yeah. Been, oh, no, I was like, yeah, it was 2018. Then the Big East tournament, yeah. Yeah. That but is. in the first few years of the new Big East, we were a two, then we were a one, then we were a two, then we were, we were a one, then we were a one, then we were a six, <laughs> then no tournament, uh, but we were probably going to be a three. Yeah, then we were a, a five. Five. And then we were a two. So, were we a three in 16 or were we a two? I were a three. We were a two in 2016. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We were two. We were two, and actually, the argument was that we probably had an argument to be a, to one, be a one, but the but the committee Protected devalued USC. us yeah. um, because of our one performance the year before versus NC State. And they also were protecting UNC because they UNC were protecting was playing, UNC. They swapped us and yeah, Xavier because yeah, 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 yeah. we were supposed to be playing them in Philadelphia, and they're like, we can't yeah. do that to them. And yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So we got this week. <laughs> all right. So you 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 come back from uh, Providence, and uh, we got at the Sinta Center and home versus Creighton coming up. No big deal. Uh, just a couple top twenty five teams that we got to that we got to play against. So uh, I hope that goes well. Uh, no, in all seriousness, Xavier. If there is a team that we can beat away, and I'm not saying that. We have a great chance, but Xavier is dealing with some illnesses. Fremantle, who carved us up in the last game, is Oof. hurt um, and still hurt. And so Xavier isn't playing with their full complement right now. And so if there is a team that is gettable on the road, that is a top-level team, Xavier is probably it. Um, and then you got Creighton at home. Um, so my ask of our team is a one-on-one -on -one split this week. That's my ask. Is my expectation that we're going to go one-on-one? -on -one? Nope. Um, um, my ask is two and zero oh because why are we asking for one-on-one? -on -one? It doesn't matter. I mean, we might as well ask for it. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a fair point. That's a fair point. My belief is one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Um, my ask is two and zero. Oh, my belief is one-on-one. -on -one. My expectation is uh, is zero uh, and two. Uh, yeah, but I'm going on two. Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to be the negative one here. So that's yeah, kind of no, I mean, look, I I would say in the in the scheme of positivity, this is probably on my lowest end uh, so far this year. Yeah, I don't think anyone's singing the praises, but Xavier's defense has, I mean, has been bad all year. Over the last ten, I think it's like I'm looking at it right now, it's like 130th in the country. Yeah. So it's there. They're missing people. It's a chance to get a resume win. Um, it's a Tuesday. I don't know how wild it gets in Cincinnati on a Tuesday. I'm sure it actually gets really wild on Tuesday in Cincinnati on Tuesdays. But what the fuck else I gotta do? Yeah, and I mean, as we saw, as we heard earlier when we were talking to Paul, um, they hate us, and <laughs> beating us at home was super important, or, or on the road, I should say. So I'm sure protecting the house is still going to be just as important. Um, and also, if they, I mean, they, there are, I mean, at this stage, they're playing for tournament positioning as well. Like this is, can they? I think they came in. I think they came in at 16th in the. They were the last. They were the team last team in the top four seats. Four, yeah. Yes. So. So we beat them, and that knocks them. That knocks them out, realistically, yeah. barring us going on a run. Um, <laughs> um. So I, yeah, I mean, this is huge for them as well. This is the like, yeah, we're a quad three. We'd be a quad three loss. So um, that's not happening. Xavier's not going to allow that to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Creighton, no big deal. Just play Creighton, who is all of a sudden newly good again. Um, well, not newly good again. They were they're they're just good again. They played a thriller. They played an a awesome really game, game versus Providence uh, the other night. Uh, St. John's. Oh, you mean the Providence game? I thought you. Oh, I mean they. I mean yeah, but yeah. I'm not talking about the St. John's game. They, I thought the St. John's game was really good too. That's why. I... Yeah, it was. That's fair. But the game versus Providence Prob was one yeah. of the games of the Big East season, the double overtime game that that that, that happened at the dunk before or the amp, if you will, before the amp. Oh, such a downgrade, man. I actually like, like it. 
you can, I guess like, you yeah, can get it. Yeah, but the dunk is fun. The dunk is fun. Um, I just like Dunkin' Donuts as a company more than Amica Mutual. Um, so how about that? You're not a big Amica Mutual fan? I'm, nah, I'm not. Real subtle of people. I do, I do have American Dunkin' Donuts Mutual. every single day of my life. Every single day I have Dunkin' Donuts. Amica, Amica Mutual, if you want to sponsor the podcast. I don't have Amica Mutual every day of my life. Yeah. The full 40 presented by Amica Mutual. I like it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd be down for it. It's probably some good sponsorship. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, just to be clear, like Amica Mutual, I'm sure you're a wonderful company. <laughs> we'd love to have you sponsor us. Um, even we'd even prefer them over Dunkin' Donuts. How about that? If they were to come to us and ask for a sponsorship, I would prefer them over Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. I prefer I prefer their offer over the offer and, we have from and, Dunkin'. And we're not even speaking oh. of Dunkin' Donuts correctly because their name is Dunkin'. Just Dunkin' right? like, now. Like yeah. it's not Dunkin' Donuts. Like yeah. they just happen to sell donuts. And you're supposed to dunk in the coffee, which tastes delicious. If you ever done it, never. I've actually never done it. It's actually great, but. But like I've always been a chocolate glaze guy, so we're really fucking off the deep end now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's go. I, I've always been a chocolate glaze guy. But I watched. Do the... you ever watch the Jerry Seinfeld um, comedians in cars getting coffee? Yeah, or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, he went with Zach Galifianakis to like donut shops, and they were drinking like so much fucking. First of all, I don't know how they didn't bounce off the walls. Like my heart would literally fucking explode. Like eating as many donuts and drinking as much coffee, but they were sitting there dunking these glazed donuts. And finally, I was just like, I gotta try this. Like I think the next day, I went out and got like a like a regular glazed donut, dunked it in the coffee. Fucking unbelievable! This like, donut just, talk makes me want a donut now. That's just a just a, rele- a revelation. Like honestly, 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 get a regular glazed donut from Dunkin' Donuts. Dunk it in their coffee. Don't dunk it in iced coffee. That's weird. It's just, it, it, it just, you don't need that. Like, dunk it in a hot club. It's a time of the year to do it. Before it gets warm out, you got to start drinking iced coffee again. Dunk your donut in your hot coffee. Let some of that sugar from the glazed donut fall into your coffee. Let that coffee soak into the donut. It's just a, it's just a marriage made in heaven. It really is. It really is. Because the sweetness adds some value to the coffee, too. Both get better from the experience. That's the best part. That's the that's, best part of the whole thing. That's wonderful. And this segment was brought to you, Dunkin' Donuts. Yes. America, America runs on Dunkin'. It's <laughs> good marketing right there. All right. That shit works. Uh, <laughs> Unlike our offense. Jesus fucking Christ. No, our offense doesn't run ever. <laughs> so, so. Our offense keeps getting decaf, and then you wonder why it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Villanova doesn't run. <laughs> uh, all right. So we talked about all that. Let's just quickly hit on the women's game because we got to, we got to, Brian has to stop this at 920 and it's 915. Well, it's true. It's four minutes. Yeah. We have yeah. to hit on this. Villanova women. They just came Wait, I, just, short. I just want to tell you, you have extra minutes. The person asked me if I was conducting business in here, and I said I was on a work call, and they looked at the screen. And, you know, <laughs> okay. They looked at the screen. I was like, a couple guys, guys in hats. We're getting ready for the market to open tomorrow. It's not open tomorrow. That was my they got the, they got some. I got the whiskey going on in the background. I'm slurring my fucking words. So, was like, sir, are you conducting business in here? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time business, yes. baby. So. Just, I just wanted you to know you didn't have to feel rushed. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, but no one wants to listen to us anymore anyway. So let's just talk quickly. Yeah. Uh, Maddie put up 39 the other night. Uh, so kudos to her. She had 89 points in two games. Um, and 21 versus UConn. Unfortunately, uh, UConn's really good. And it's crazy to say that because arguably their two best players are still are out this year it's uh, wild how good they are without their two i mean that's just yeah it was not testament to the program we were there we were there at the end though we were it was if you didn't watch the game we were right there at the end we were we actually maddie had a chance to cut it to two with like a minute and a half two minutes left or whatever missed a free throw we had another chance to cut it to two we missed two free throws so like whatever they won by a few but like it was actually quite close and it should have been even closer but yeah, good as the girls. Awesome. They, like the fact that that pavilion sold out is just they so outshot us at the free throw line by 11. They were 17 and 26. We were six and 12. That's, I mean, that's the game right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and that's not to say I thought we got a bad whistle. I actually thought we got a decent whistle yeah. in the game. Um, 
sometimes you miss a lot of shots. And unfortunately in that it's moment, a make or miss league. Yes. Uh, and in that moment we did miss a lot of shots, but kudos to the fans. Um, it was loud on television. It, it really sounded like people were into it. Um, it was a sellout. It was our second sellout of all time um, from the Villanova women, uh, which is, which is cool. And, and I have to say this, this, I, I this Villanova women's program, Denise Dillon needs to capitalize off this run that Maddie's having totally. and this run that they're having because they're about to make two consecutive NCAA tournaments. In this NCAA tournament, they're probably going to be a top five seed. I I think they'll win out from here. Um, and then we might match up again versus UConn in the Big East tournament. Yeah. But like, um, got to win Perfect. out, whatever. We have a genuine chance to be a top four. I think maybe the ship has sailed on the three seed unless we beat UConn in that Big East final. But a top four seed, which means you're hosting at least a game or two games uh, at home in theory before you go to the regional, because that's the way the women's uh, tournament works. So I'd like to see them do that because this program can make a sweet 16. Denise is Denise Dillon's competitive, man. She wants a coach. She's like a, Oh yeah. She's fired up too. She's fucking into it. Um, so like, I think that she's going to get this program rolling, but she's got to capitalize off this here because it's like women's basketball is like the top, like seven or eight teams are like, like talent wise, like leaps and bounds. And then, and then you got another like 20 team group and then it's really falls off from there. Like in a way that the men's, in the way that the men's basketball is like, there's like you know, you get you get your elite teams every year, but then you have your consortium of teams that where you say, oh, there's, you know, it's it's pretty even, Steven, from there. Like, women's basketball, it, it falls off really quickly. Denise has an opportunity to get this program into that, like, top, yeah. like, maybe 1A echelon. And so, and so a, a game like what we just had and these moments and these opportunities with UConn and the, with UConn and the conference – too are all opportunities to really turn this into something important here um and i really hope they do that and so i think that more than anything else the symbol like what that game symbolized what that was that maybe this program has arrived yeah i i I think that's that's well said yeah sorry go ahead no yeah i agree i just like i you're right i think there's the sellout like you said is the biggest indication i was like there's Mm-hmm. there's a chance to really like i mean and we'll figure out who replaces maddie like i'm just expecting lucy olsen to you know take another step next year but i'm assuming maddie decides to go to the draft um all just there's a lot of momentum coming and i just like i i think denise dillon's the woman to be at the helm for this to like you said pull us into that I would I wouldn't call it one B because I feel like there's like a rotation of teams that are always in the one like there's the one A which is like your Yukons your Tennessees your Stanfords your Notre Dames um, and then your one Bs are ones that like kind of rotate where like Baylor's going to be really good for a couple seasons and they'll fall off a little bit South Carolina is kind of like the newer the really good Louisville is all they're always around I think we have a chance to be at that next ish level um and then from there take that leap in I mean this is just a chance for both teams to be like bonafide huge and uh like bonafide huge uh basketball programs and I I really am excited what Denise is doing here so like you said let's capitalize and getting getting a game on campus would be huge yeah, 100%. I do think that on Twitter, I admire like UConn's fans. Like they're really into it. Like they're the genuinely like you watch them on any given day. And like, and like because both teams play two, two times a week, but like you're getting four days a week in which like UConn fans are talking about basketball. We're like, and like, so, so I, I've heard some criticism. I want to get into this just a quick bit, maybe on another podcast, talk a little bit, a little bit more, but like, I hear some criticism. Oh, you're only talking about it because the men's team isn't, isn't good. Well, no, I mean, we have a national player of the year candidate. Like, like this, this is pretty big deal. Like, and we're top yeah. 15, like, I think more than anything else, you're talking about it because they're really good. 
right? Like, and in my lifetime as a Villanova fan, right? Like we've had maybe one or two other years where we've been really good. So, so point being is that we'll talk about like, Villanova fans are like looking for programs to be really good. When the football team's really good, we're talking about them. Like, like when Matt Caesar and that team won the national championship, like I was all over it. I watched every fucking game that year, right? Like, like the bottom line is if you're really good, we're going to pay attention. So I, I, I hope that they do that because I do think that there is a value to Villanova, et cetera, in being a perennial powerhouse in women's basketball, just in the same way I view it as the football team in the same way at the one double A level. So like, I wouldn't have to take swings at UConn women, you know, just like some, there needs to be someone else that, so they can't just run unfettered through the conference. And we're, we're taking a step up. Creighton's taking a step up. DePaul's good. Like this is a good, as much of the move, the move for the the Big East was great for the men. This is a huge move for the women's team because they weren't, they just weren't remotely challenging the AAC. And now there's just, there's more challenge day in and day out to them. They're still going to be the cream of the crop. Totally. Probably in perpetuity. Yeah, as long as Gino's there, um, and honestly, probably after that. But it being able to, you know, just show that they can bleed is really big. And I mean, Villanova women have already done that. They beat them last year. We've been in two great games. Like they're not invincible. Also, granted, they are, they don't have their two best players, but that's a separate conversation. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's it. I think that's all we got. All right. So yeah. we'll be back with you guys after the. Uh, after the Creighton game next week, we're recording again on Sunday. Uh, so uh, look out for us. Uh, that will be our podcast previewing the last week of the season. Uh, it's almost over, guys. We're almost there. <laughs> so, so look, thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, let's go Nova.